0: Jacob is in the bathroom. <laughs> He's been in there for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And we, we can't had a start no without him.
1: <laughs> I think he may have drowned. I told
0: him to quit sitting down to pee. <laughs>
2: Rock fans welcome to post game beers we are the Lupton drinking club I am tonight's host Jacob sailors I am not Kyle Malloy as we as you heard in the intro from Reed we are re-recording this podcast late MK cannot join us tonight so I will be the lead voice on this one next to me to my right I have crazy Ray Cartwright and to my left I have the sultan of stat Martin Guerrero boys we hanging in there
1: Doing good. Uh, voice is surprisingly strong, despite being in the studio. Not too hoarse from yesterday's recording? <laughs> no, not not too hoarse. think we're in here about two and a half hours yesterday. Martin, well, how are you doing?
2: Sorry. To catch you I, I
0: got a bad case of deja vu, boys.
2: Yep. So we are going to bring you, hopefully, similar and equally as good content as we did last night, even though nobody will hear it. But uh, you know what? We'll endure, right? Sometimes, like TCU did early in the season, you go through a lull. You recover, you bounce back, you find that energy, and you fight through. So, boys, hang with me tonight. Let's do this. We also have producer Reed Simpson over there, still messing with the dials. How you doing? How you doing, Reed? Okay, he's trying to get his damn headphones to work. So, normally, we kind of ease in these podcasts, kind of BS around for a little while. But tonight, we're cutting straight through. We're going no frills. So, let's get into game recaps. TCU had a three-in-one week. They started off Tuesday night at home against UTA. They won. F- yes. Okay. So yes. Thank you, Reed. We are currently recording while we're playing Dallas Baptist. Uh, we left the game early to come re-record, so it wouldn't I had be too to late. Book it
1: from Lupton.
2: So Martin, Martin is on breaking news duty. Uh, currently, I believe the frogs are in the bottom of the eighth. They're down six to five to DBU.
0: We got runners on first and third.
2: We got no runners outs. on first and third. Nobody out. So Martin break in anytime. And let's keep let's keep everybody updated on a game they already know the result to. <laughs> so yeah, let's go back to last Tuesday. The Frogs played UTA. They won 15 to 1. Boys, if you guys have anything to say about this, go ahead because as for me, I chose date night. I'm tired of playing UTA. So what do you do you guys have anything from this game?
1: I mean, I was in the stands for that game. <clears throat> it was good to see um All the names, or a couple of names that you don't get to see a lot, like uh, Andrew Garfield, stunt double Brody Green made an appearance. You got to see some Gray Thomas, Trip Banta. It was uh, it was cool to see the uh, the deeper end of the bench for the frogs in that game. How did Cademan Parker look? He looked really good as his best outing of the uh, season by far. Yeah, he's
2: starting to really come along. uh, Even tonight against DBU, I I mean, we'll recap this
1: uh, four innings scoreless scoreless uh pitching
2: last week yeah yeah, yeah and last. um we'll recap dbu on next week's episode but he looked pretty good tonight uh martin did you watch this game
0: the uta game yeah uh yeah i watched it at home uh it's always good to get a season sweep of uta the many times we do it
2: so we had doubles from Braden taylor curtis Byrne, luke Boy's, great roger sam thompson um and it's stole the base from elijah nunez bobby Goodlow, and his ray said cademan parker looked good Uh, We had appearances with Cohen Feaser and plenty of other guys. So, you know what? It's a tune-up game before heading into Oklahoma State.
1: I will say quickly that makes me think of that you said Cohen. So, he came out, and we've seen Cohen, his last couple of appearances, kind of struggle. And uh, it seemed like it was on that trajectory to start his appearance. But he uh, worked through it and uh, actually battled pretty good and got out of it uh, relatively with a clean sheet.
2: Yeah, and uh, looking at the box score, um, I see the Frogs scored seven runs in the second and eight in the fifth, so
1: kind of that that cold, it hot. A, it was a really weird box <laughs> yeah, score. Not often do you see 15 runs and on, then just see two innings no. where all the runs are scored. Absolutely
2: not. Uh, UTA, on the other hand, had six hits. They scored one run. Frogs win. Good tune-up game. Rolling into Stillwater. we ready to on move to on to Stillwater. On to Stillwater. Okay, so Friday night. Frogs roll into Stillwater in the brand new O'Brate Stadium. Uh, Martin, Ray, and I were there in attendance. O'Brate is an incredible place, as Ray will get into more. Uh, Friday night, we knew going in was going to be tough. Um, Justin Campbell was on the mound for Oklahoma State. He leads the conference in strikeouts. He did. TCU is a team that strikes out a lot. So we kind of knew we were going to need Riley's best game of the year, which is a lot to ask because Riley's been almost perfect all season long unfortunately tonight Riley did not have his best stuff that happens in baseball Oklahoma State wins this one going away 13 to 2 we did have a Braden Taylor home run which was pretty cool to watch since there were some fans in the stands taunting him right before it happened
1: Tay Tay
2: but this was Oklahoma State's night uh they smoked every pitcher we had I think until like garbage time we brought in some guys late that did a pretty good job um looking at the box
1: You got to mention Luke here. Warriors with a... With oh, you're a right. Run. You're
2: right. I overlooked that. So uh, they had three hits on the night, two of them home runs. Yeah, I was pretty checked out at that point, given that the score was about what ten to two at that time. But we knew going in that you know even at like a three to nothing game, it was going to be tough to beat Justin Campbell. So he goes eight innings, gives up three run or three hits, two runs, both of them earned. He struck out fourteen. And if you remember back to that Pete Hansen game in Austin, he struck out twelve. So Justin Campbell, who already leads the conference in strikeouts, did what Justin Campbell do, and will, that's strike boys out.
1: I will say, um, we talked about this in the stands. It was good that um, it was actually kind of good, and it's weird to say this about a blowout, that TCU got blown out in that game. Yeah, absolutely. They were absolutely. able to save their uh, dominant arms in the bullpen for Saturday and Sunday.
2: And we talked about that in the stands as the game was about six to one. We said, you know, I, in our opinion, that the worst thing Kirk can do is say, Hey, you know what? I I believe in our guys to come back. Let's, let's exhaust our bullpen and keep it close. And then maybe we'll come back. I I think Kirk was managing the series versus managing a game. And I was really happy to see that. And it's not like he just brought in guys who who he knew were going to get hit. Um, The guys that did come in late, I mean, it was Drew Hill who followed Riley Cornelio. He went an inning and a third. Um, He also got an inning and a third from both Braxton Pearson, Tommy Vale, and then Gray Thomas finished out the game. So those are guys that Kirk still trusts, but they're not the primary guys in a a conference bullpen rotation. So we had all those guys rolling into Saturday.
1: I would say those are the guys that you would see on a Tuesday night, uh, a midweek game. Correct.
2: And that's kind of what the game turned into after – you know, it didn't look like we were going to do much against Justin Campbell, which is to be expected. So, but luckily for us, it's a, it's not the first to one. It's the first. Hey, to Jacob, do. what did we say
1: walking into
2: the stadium? Win
1: one. No, 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 no. Oh. What did we say the score was for the day?
2: We said that TCU had not lost a game that day and Oklahoma state had not won a game that That's day. That's right. Zero, well, zero. Walking out. We said Oklahoma state won a game that day and TCU did not. So yeah. But rolling to Saturday, you have a fresh bullpen, you have Marcelo Perez, who's been hot, um, and we'll get into more of him later because, my goodness, how good has he been on Saturday? So, Saturday, Marcelo Perez, Frogs win, 6-4. to four. Marcelo looked really good, TCU jumped out early, they scored all six of their runs in the first three innings, and then relied on that fresh bullpen to nurse home the win. Boys, what did you see from this game?
1: I saw Marcelo out there uh, battling. I mean, it was really people at home that watched the game online. I think they didn't have access to uh, ESPN Plus due to a variety of reasons, but it was really windy in Stillwater both Friday and Saturday. And We saw TCU on Friday kind of struggle with the wind, and then they kind of made some good adjustments defensively to kind of counteract that. And Marcelo made really good pitches, you know, hit his spots. He was, it was a masterpiece.
2: Yeah, the, the difference in this game was the Luke Boyer's three-run home run, which was just an impressive shot. Um, off the bat, I personally didn't think it was hit all that well. So I'm watching the center fielder just hoping it would get over his head or maybe it would squeak out. That ball did not squeak out. It hit the top of the batter's eye off the awning in center field, a few more feet, and it's going over
1: the stadium completely. Jacob, I yelled, get shit on as soon as that ball was hit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was hit very high, got up in the wind, and it just kept carrying. You also had a home run from Tommy Sacco, which was a really cool home run, doubles from Brayden Taylor and Gray Rogers. Again, all six runs come in the first three innings. And then Oklahoma State did what we were glad Kurt didn't do the night before. They burned their entire bullpen trying to keep the Frogs at six runs so they could come back and win. It almost worked, but it didn't. As Garrett Wright gets the save late after Marcelo Perez. Let me pull up the pitching stats. Marcelo Perez goes five and a third with four hits, four runs. Most of those came late in his outing. Then you had Luke Savage come in. He didn't have his best stuff. But the great thing about Luke Savage and how talented this kid is, is even when he doesn't have his best stuff, He can make the key pitch at the right time, get a key double play ball, come back to the mound, get out of those jams, turn it over to River Ridings. And this is where things kind of got interesting in the ninth. As the Frogs had a two-run lead, River Ridings gives up a triple, which, okay, that's fine. Meaningless run. Right. Comes back, gets the next two hitters. So we're thinking, okay, two outs. All right, River, you're in the groove now. We got this. Kirk sarlos comes out calls time walks to the mound pulls river Ridings out of the game and in comes garrett wright and we were looking at each other like
1: what the fuck
2: well maybe you were saying that but i was saying no 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 this is genius." no i'm just kidding i had no idea what was going on <laughs>
1: no we uh we had uh question marks <laughs> over the head like no we weren't like,
2: like okay Kirk mad about like we
1: were very con- like okay what's going on No, we here? weren't
2: critical we were yeah, we were, con- we were confused. It was, it was
0: confusing because Garrett Wright didn't even throw a pitch against Texas Tech the week before. Correct. So then he's coming in with a guy on third, two outs. Yeah. It was and, just and, weird. Yeah, and you,
2: and you never really know what's going on. To me, I was brainstorming ideas, like maybe um, seeing River struggle in that Saturday game against Texas Tech when he couldn't find the strike zone. Or before Kirk made the pitching change, Oklahoma State brought in a pinch hitter. So to me, I'm thinking, okay, this guy's up there to draw a walk, right? Maybe uh, Josh Holiday, who's the manager for Oklahoma State, maybe he knew that River struggles to find the zone at times in certain at-bats. And he thought, okay, this kid, he has a great eye. He can draw a walk. So Kirk counters that with Garrett Wright, who's going to pump fastballs over the, over the plate and drop a nasty slider to finish you off. So it might have been a counter move to the pinch hitter. Just brainstorming ideas. However, it did work out. Garrett Wright comes in, does his job, gets the big strikeout. We're celebrating in the stands as the Frogs have tied the series. We have done the bare minimum of what we came to do in Stillwater, and that is get a win.
1: Can I go back to Luke Savage? Of course. <clears throat> so I don't have my laptop in front of me. I'm, no notes this podcast, just going completely off the top of the dome. But I believe he pitched... Two and a third innings of relief.
2: Two and two thirds, but yeah. Two and two Mm thirds.
1: Okay. Um, For his, what we consider his worst outing of the year, to have zero earned runs. Right. And be as wild as he was, but effective. Well, it's pretty impressive. It
2: goes back to what I said about making the key pitch at the right time because he does have so much talent so that even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he can, you know, he can win the battles. Right. So, good win um series tied 1-1 and think okay well we got we got the split we're not you know going into sunday 0-2 trying to salvage this thing let's get greedy let's go win another one brett walker's been pitching well the frogs offense looked good against their saturday starter so oh crap i hit the wrong tab sorry so going into going into sunday frogs win 7-6 brett walker gets the start i believe he got the win did he get the win I don't yeah, know. I don't doesn't think matter. I don't think Who cares? Can. Well, no, because he only went three innings. He gave up eight hits and four runs. And again, that kind of came to that third time through the order. And that's what we've kind of seen from Brett Walker over his starts is, you know, he keeps, he keeps the Frogs well in the game through the first, time, first couple times through the order. And then hitters start to make an adjustment that third time through. Now, that's not a criticism of Brett Walker. He's going against talented teams like Texas, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech. Some which of the most to, talented teams uh, in the which country.
1: To be honest, that's all you need out of your Sunday starter. It's your Sunday starter. Most teams don't have a Sunday starter. So to have a guy that can get you through two times of the lineup and, you know, with relatively right. low damage is a quite the luxury. But we've for seen TCU.
2: we've seen Kurt really trust Brett Walker through that third time through. And it did work out against Texas Tech, even though we did have a healthy lead. Uh, it did not work out against Texas. And it almost did not work out here because he leaves the game with bases loaded in the fourth inning. Augie Milbauer comes on, gets a key double play, and then he gets a ground out. Only allows one run when Oklahoma State had the bases loaded, nobody out. To me right there, that was kind of the key to the game in a game that had a lot of keys. That was, to me, the
1: main play. Go ahead. I was just uh, updating Martin. Uh, they did not score that last inning. against so, DBU. So
0: Still PC six is going to, five. to the ninth. I'm literally watching the game. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. Garrett Wright's pitching really good.
1: He's been really good the last couple of weeks. A little
2: preview of next, next week's episode. So back to the Sunday game, boys. So to me, my biggest takeaway from this game is, you know, sometimes after games or most times after games, we talk about, you know, who are the, who are the heroes today? Who are the guys that really stood out? Who, you know, who, do we, who can we really credit for this win? I don't remember many games that I've seen just the ultimate team effort where literally everybody that touched the baseball or was in the game had some contribution to the win. If you talk about Augie getting out of the jam, you had Sam Thompson, Tommy Sacco, Reed Spinrath hitting home runs. Gray Rogers, two clutch base hits late. Uh, Brett Walker grinding, Caleb Bolden holding it down late. Garrett Wright getting another save. Bobby Goodloe scoring from first on that Luke, was it Luke Boyers? I believe it was. Luke Boyers
1: double down the line. So right before, sorry, uh, right before that Luke Boyers, I think I, I turned to... Uh, one of you two in the stands and i said man uh the pitch before luke turned around and did uh the little uh, chest bump like i've got this yes sir almost yeah, like the, the they been
0: they've been doing it for like the last two weeks they've been wearing those undershirts that have the chip on their shoulder that's what they're that's oh, okay. what they're hey,
1: i mean bumping. okay from uh, I think my vantage point in
0: the stand it looked like he was calling it a shot
1: i've got this
2: so, one thing we didn't talk about yesterday that I can bring up now is Oklahoma State starter, Bryce Osmond. Now, we talked about Oklahoma State on Saturday running through a lot of their bullpen arms to keep that game close and hopefully the offense could come back. Well, Bryce Osmond pitched six innings for Oklahoma State, but it took him 109 pitches to do it. I kept looking at that pitch counter thinking, Josh is going to tear this kid's shoulder up. Like, who's he trying to hide in that bullpen?
1: Keith Law went brrrr. Well,
2: the bullpen came in, pitched... Three innings, they gave up three runs, which made the difference in the game. Uh, only two of them were earned as Oklahoma State's defense kind of let them down late. And that brings me to my next point, which is the, like, that game ended up 7-6. Oklahoma State had the tying run at third there in the ninth inning against Garrett Wright. I never felt like TC was losing that game. The energy in that stadium was Oklahoma State was standing around hoping they were going to win. TCU knew they were going to win. You could just from the first inning on that energy that you kind of felt. Did you guys feel the same way?
0: I think uh, the Oklahoma state fans felt it. Cause like a third of them left in the eighth inning. That's a good inning.
2: point. Yeah. I, yeah. We tweeted that out. It, you know, it was like a two run game. And um, who was, who got out of the eight? Uh, was, was it, it after Krobe? the oh, spin? Of course we haven't uh, talked about Krobe yet. But been, we'll get into that.
1: After the spin Wrath home run.
2: No, it was after Krobe's second inning, I believe like in mm. the eighth inning. There was a sea of orange and black flooding out of the same. I'm like, it's a two run game. Y'all are giving up. But I, I, maybe they were feeling the same energy we were because the players on the field for Oklahoma State, a ball gets hit their way. Their, glo- their glove hand gets tight. The ball goes under their glove. That, we saw that happen two or three times late. Right. So I was never really nervous about this one. I was much more nervous the day before. Sure. Yeah. It was just, um, yeah. So, so what, you probably didn't hear Reed, but he said that's definitely an in-person thing because watching it on TV, I was shitting myself. Was, I added there <laughs> a little
1: bit.
2: But no, like that's the way I felt from the first inning on. The guys in the dugout were bringing energy. I mean, when you can bring your, your ace pitcher out of the bullpen late, you know the guys are going to be hyped. So the whole way through, it just never felt like the Frogs were panicking. And I think Oklahoma State did panic a little bit. And that could be due to, confidence in your guy on the mound so oklahoma state is at the bottom of their bullpen we're bringing out austin freaking Crowe, which we kind of glossed over
1: i've got a fun fact those two pitchers that came in out of the bullpen for oklahoma state they're also position players goodness for gracious. oklahoma state
2: so shout out to bryce osman who threw out his shoulder probably trying to keep oklahoma state in that game throwing 109 pitches which you don't really see that like Brett Walker through 67.
1: <laughs> and then uh, we're rolling in our Friday night guy, which to let's, start go the into year. That.
2: let's go into that before we go to break. So Austin Krobe <laughs> comes back. He's been out for God knows how long. Seems like the whole season, at probably this about point. five weeks. Yeah. Like this it point. seems like forever. He comes in, pitches a scoreless seventh inning. Let's see. He ended up with three strikeouts, no walks, no runs, no hits, one hit by pitch. Okay, cool. Whatever. But he looked great. He looked confident. And I watched his post-game interview with Jamie, and he said, uh, you know, I was nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I was nervous. But once I got up on that on that pitching mound to do my warm-ups, that's when it's time to stop being nervous because you got guys counting on you. And if you're up there nervous, th- those guys in the box, you know, they're going to hit you around. So it's like, hey, it's bulldog time. Got to go win. And he did just that. So love to see that. that. That's going to be huge for TCU as we get into the stretch run. Going into the postseason, Austin Krub looks amazing, boys.
1: Easily his best outing of the year, even with all the but starts. Chill on that, dog. Is
2: it? No, I, I thought I thought that was the best, mm-hmm. he, thought that. the best. He I thought the best he looked that. all year. I don't endorse it. it okay,
1: but also may have he's, recency bias. He's but being I,
2: superlative, Ray, right now. Yeah. No, he I did look he really good. So good. Yeah, but. The thing is, too, Ray, like when you're coming out of the bullpen, you know you're not going like six or seven innings, so you're leaving it all out there for those one or two innings you're going to pitch. So.
1: And that's fine. He still looked fucking good. Huh? Yeah, so uh, unless you guys
2: have any closing thoughts, we're going to take a break. Um, again, the Frogs go 3-1 and one on the week. They get a huge, huge, huge series win against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. And – We will go to break. We'll come back with some Ray's World and then uh, we'll have some more discussion about Frog Baseball. You are listening to Post Game Beers from the Lupton Drinking Club. All right, welcome back to Post Game Beers. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. And before we turn over to Ray for Ray's World, boys, let's talk about Long Drink for a minute. It's the Finnish legend of 1952. Uh, I myself, I'm a big fan of the black can, the eight and a half the percent strong, strong boy. boy. I like to start my tailgating off or have a postie with that, with that black can. Uh, what, what, what's y'all's favorite? They got several different flavors.
1: So my personal favorite is the Zero Sugar. It's uh, light, crisp, and refreshing. And you know how I like to maintain my figure. Yes. So I can win these uh, Dizzy Bat races. Of course.
2: <laughs> I fuck with the cranberry, honestly. The cranberry is so good. It's a nice change of pace after a couple black cans. Martin, what about you?
1: Yeah, I like the uh,
0: Zero Sugar one.
2: Okay, yep. So this is the Post Game Beers podcast, but long drink is not actually a beer. It's not a seltzer. It's not a malt. This is a legit liquor mixer. It is gin and juice, if you're familiar with that song. That's what (laughs) Snoop is singing about, and that song is long drink. Don't look that up. So, yeah, go to Specs, go to Kings, get you some long drink. It's delicious. It's great on the golf course. For when you're shooting a 65 at the turn, go into that clubhouse, grab you a couple long drinks, and save your golf round.
1: It'll be your favorite poolside drink this summer.
2: It's so good. Now, let's turn it over to Ray for a segment we like to call Ray's World.
1: Thank you so much, Jacob. How are we today, boys? We feeling good? Energy up?
2: No, TC just lost to DBU. Breaking news. Oh, that's that's quite the deflator. (laughs) Pick us up. I'm over here
1: like, ugh. Okay, so I want to talk about the weekend that was in Stillwater. That was our first trip up to O'Brate to visit that uh, new ballpark, which is...
2: Ray's getting corrected by the producer right now because he still doesn't know how to talk into a mic.
1: Well, it wasn't the talking into the mic. It was just, I was doing... Oh, you're
2: getting corrected for something else this Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was getting slapped on the wrist <laughs> by none. Reed. Reed runs a tight <laughs> ship over here. I'm Boy, scared does, of Reed. Does he? I've got red marks on my wrist <laughs> from when he's hit me so many times with the ruler. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I want to talk about uh, our trip up to Stillwater this weekend. You know... It's uh, unfortunate that TCU got blown out on Friday, but actually, you know, it made for we could walk around, look yep. at the stadium, check out what everything that O'Brate had to offer. And all that the different is vantage points. A and a great stadium yep. to watch college baseball. It absolutely
2: um, is. Um, Ray was there. I was there. Martin was there. Um, we all were obsessed with the stadium. Um, I, I said on Sunday that I was sad that it was our last game because I could watch baseball there every day.
1: I could definitely watch baseball there. So, tell us some more day. about the stadium,
2: some of the features. And, <laughs> so, really it's thought, a six, $60 million um, renovation or a whole new, like $60 million project, right? And you
1: could tell that right. they put $60 uh, million dollars into that stadium. Yeah. Like, um, one of the little details that I noticed right off the bat uh, that you don't see in much in many ballparks, especially like at, say, at Lupton or whatever, was the dugout lighting. Mm hmm that you had LED lights in the dugout uh, that really illuminated the whole dugout. It wasn't kind of dark and dingy that yeah. you'll see at most ballparks. Yeah, parts. it wasn't
2: fluorescent lighting, which I think is what Lepton has. So,
1: Yeah, if that. Uh, another, and also,
2: but not only that, but talk about, too, the lights in the stadium. So they fun. have
1: LED lights, and um, for those that haven't seen LED lights, uh, as opposed to the fluorescent lights that like are at, like, they're at Lupton, right? Uh, they they point flat down. They don't point outwards. And uh, it completely illu- uh, illuminates the entire field. Yeah, like, it's a beautiful The field scene. was lit up so well. I thought another cool little small detail was, so around all the gates, they have, like, cowboy silhouettes. Mm, I didn't but notice that. their stadium around the gates face to the west. And so when the sun is setting you get kind of this cool. And I took a cool picture of the sun setting behind and lighting, you know, kind of, it looks like shadows of the, uh, the still. And it's,
2: it's interesting. You bring that up because as I was walking around, I walked around all three games, got different vantage points, gave me a chance to talk to some of the Oklahoma state fans. And, I remember one fan saying that they've won several games because opposing teams will come in and not be used to that sun right. setting in and being in their eyes. It's kind of like a uh, Cowboys Stadium effect, <laughs> which, but yeah. they said kind of affects the opposing team. Kind of reminds really me them. of the uh,
1: old uh, Rangers ballpark where yeah. first two innings in left field was death. Yeah. So,
2: and talk about the practice field outside, like right outside the stadium.
1: So caddy corner to left field, they have a small version of a practice field, but it's all turf. And, uh, I don't know if many of y'all know, but most of the big 12 teams actually play on turf. So it's a great, if they're going on the road for the weekend, like they are this upcoming weekend to Austin, you know, you kind of get a small feel for the turf. Sure. Uh, I thought that was really cool. Another cool feature is in the center field they have uh it's kind of roped off. you can't bring beverages in or out, but you uh they have these like almost cabanas set up where mm-hmm. they'll provide you a grill and you can bring your own cooler in and just have your entire the entire section to yourself to rent out for like party large parties or whatever I know on Saturday they did a big frat event, yeah. which is why the attendance numbers were as high as they were in the outfield was completely packed.
2: And to add on to that too, I noticed, um, out in center field, you have, you know, what they call the batter's eye. And for those of you don't know, that's kind of like a backdrop. So when you're standing at home plate in the, in the batter's box, you don't want any distractions or anything that will prevent you from seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand. So there's black curtains out there, but they can raise those. And behind those black curtains is a concourse in center field with like ceiling fans and you can set up table and chairs and I can only assume they do like banquets and events out there. They'll roll those up and you have the, the banquet banquet attendees having a view of the field when those curtains are raised up. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. The games were okay. The games were competitive.
1: It was also like 13 to two at the time. Yeah. And we're walking around,
2: but no, you're, you're totally right. So before we move on, Ray, um, talk about us almost dying on Saturday after the game.
1: Yeah, so on Saturday, the uh, original start time was at 6 p.m., and they moved that up to a 2 p.m. start because the forecast had uh, severe weather planned, and boy, was there. Yep. As, um, after the game was over, we needed some posties. We had to celebrate the big TCU win, so we went over to the garage, which is across from uh, Eskimo Joe's. Mm-hmm. Which and is so- a
2: Stillwater staple. Joe's. it is
1: a still water staple yep uh, so after uh you know we're all in this uh we're all in the restaurant or whatever drinking our beers I just order food uh everyone's a phone goes off at almost the exact same time
2: yep. except mine i had I, I turned all that crap off <laughs> uh
1: well your phone was almost dead at the time <laughs> yeah. so yeah, 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 Jacob was treating. that Don't like ruin
2: my he, good time with an emergency. <laughs> he was treating
1: that like he treats an Amber Alert, just yeah. uh, immediately silence, clear not that no out <laughs> Yeah. So everyone's phones go off and it just said kidding, uh, uh, tornado, tornado emergency in whatever Podunk County we were in. And at the time, no one batted an eye. Everyone just.
2: Yeah, I almost jumped in like I did last night, it's it's nice. Nice. sir. It is not a that is. Payne county like major Payne. No, like, yes like major pain not p-a-i-n-p-a-y-n-e so it is not a podunk county and in fact this felt is, pretty this
1: podunk is, to me <laughs>
2: yeah so to add on to your story it's pretty funny because when we were in the restaurant um the the tv started putting alerts on the on the tv saying tornado warning for Payne county and i'm looking at that and i'm like Payne county what? i asked the table next to me yeah 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 how far away is that so asked the table hey uh, what county are we in? they said, mm, Payne county I said, oh, oh, oh no, I'm getting no support from my my teammates here oh wow, oh, I thought like, you were gonna
1: go i thought you were <laughs> i thought there was more to it my uh, my yeah sorry, so it yeah wasn't So funny
2: enough for you um <laughs> Hilarious. TVs. <laughs> we laughed yesterday.
1: <laughs> it was kind of funny. So the way they did their emergency uh, announcement over the TV, it kind of looked like the Jeopardy clue, yeah, or something. Um, and then shortly after that, a restaurant manager was walking through, just yelling, "Everyone needs to take cover in the restroom hallway." Right. Which um, we were there with uh, the next table over. Not the table that Jacob had talked to, but there was Matt Perk, uh, Winkler, Delaria, and uh, Meredith were over there. So we were. Our first inclination was, let's protect what really matters yes. in the restaurant.
2: When they're safe, then we'll be safe.
1: But then at the same time, you know, my burger had just gotten there. I have a cold beer yeah. in front of me. I can't let my burger get cold and my beer get hot. And I can't so. let
2: Ray sit out here by himself.
1: Uh, we were t- we we're uh, joking. Uh, as all this was going on and people were walking into the hallway as we were sitting there More taking... More like
2: kind of scurrying. Yeah, they had a little pep in their <laughs> yes, step. Yes, they did. Uh,
1: we were thinking...
2: So if you're wondering man, what Matt Perk is afraid of, we found uh,
1: out. We were thinking, how poetic would it be for the Lupton Drinking Club to go out while in a bar while drinking a beer, fresh That's off a right. of TCU win? We got um, the
2: full Oklahoma experience, didn't we, boys? Boy,
1: did we... Uh, you know... I almost thought it was the Big Twelve tournament for a second yeah. because there's always big weather going on during the. Not uh, anymore.
2: It's moving to Arlington. Thank God. All right, Ray. Thank you so much. That was great. Um, it was a good time being there with you boys in Stillwater. I'm glad we got to do that. Now let's get back to. Not what matters. Cause I said that last night, and then I felt bad because it felt dismissive of your segment. Oh, yeah. So, last night we went Instagram Live. It's posted on uh, the Instagram at Lupton Beers. Uh, we, we were kind of messing around um, doing Instagram Live while we were doing the podcast, and uh, Nick Lodolo jumped on there, and uh, we took time out of the podcast to, to congratulate him on a great start. Uh, it's cool to see Nick there in the Major League, so...
1: Yeah, that was yeah. his first big league win. He went uh, in that game. Let me pull it up real quick because he was pretty dominant.
2: All right, Martin and I will vamp for a while. Martin, what vamp you on? for
1: okay, got it. So he went okay. five and two thirds, right? Allowed one earn, didn't walk anyone, and struck out seven.
2: Congratulations, Nick. Glad to see you up there. All right, so let's move back over to TCU baseball and uh, we'll bring in Martin here. Uh, we'll let him talk in this podcast. Martin, how's it going, man? Let's talk some baseball. Where do you want to begin? You want to talk about Marcelo Perez?
0: Yeah, let's go. Let's talk about Marcelo Perez again.
2: <laughs> Martin does not want to re-record, and frankly, I don't blame man, him, but
1: low energy Martin. That's tonight. okay.
2: Martin's doing a bit right now. He's a professional. He's going to pull it it's together. A, it's on the Martin.
0: Instagram live, right? No, it's not. If, All right. If you want to see the gold we talked about yesterday, just check out that Instagram live
1: or you can listen right now. I would actually kind of prefer uh, you actually listen All right. to this. Read
2: stop recording. <laughs> hey Martin, asshole. Pull it together.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: All right. Pull it pull it together and let's do a segment. All right. All right, reading start recording again. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna quit the podcast.
2: Uh-huh. All right, screw it. I'll talk about Marcelo Perez. So,
0: I, I wish I had a script from what I said last night because it was just so good. It was just straight fire. Just have a conversation, man. He dog. was
2: spitting. All right, fire. all right, all right. Go.
0: When was the last time we lost a Saturday game?
2: Well, it's. I mean, I know the answer, Kentucky. But going back to when we were talking about this, I was. I was thinking, had we ever lost a Saturday game this year? Right. And we did have the doubleheader against Kentucky, but I don't really count that as a quote Saturday loss right and then I did, forget, I did forget about the Cal walk off to open the season but other than that what's our record on Saturdays
0: so we're 9-2 and two on Saturdays
2: alright and who do we have to thank for that for the most part
0: for the most part Marcelo Perez
2: let's talk about what he's done since he's entered the rotation or even going beyond that like his starts against West Virginia or his outings against West Virginia yeah and so
0: <clears throat> his first three career starts were against Texas Texas Tech and Oklahoma State
2: right now it's a very difficult job
0: texas texas tech oklahoma state those are like along with tcu that's like the cream of the crop of the big Twelve. it's the
2: gauntlet of the schedule yes as we talk. So, i mean it's crazy um, that
0: we played all three three in a row i was gonna say right.
1: all all three top yes, ten Ray? team top ten teams at the time <laughs> yes three of them or two of them tech in oklahoma state top five teams I mean, it's just yes, give a little good. content. They're good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how it's, good they it's, were. <laughs>
0: those, those four teams are like the last Big 12 champs for like the last 20 years. But, um,
1: Talk yeah. About split last year.
2: Oh, my God. I hate <laughs> this podcast. You
1: in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, can we,
2: yes. Love please. y'all. Can we pull this podcast together, please? Um,
0: incredibly tough first assignment as his first career start for Marcelo Perez. To start against Texas, which is one of the best uh, offenses in the country, they got you know Ivan Melendez and Steely, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, Murphy Steely. Murphy Steely. Yeah. And um, you know they're they're their all over. Lineup. I mean, we, 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 their we, whole lineup is like all over the leaderboards and like most of the yeah. offensive categories.
2: And and just real quick, not only was that his first start, it came off a weekend where we lost at home to West Virginia. So there's even and the impact.
0: one game we didn't was the game he what did he throw like almost seven innings? He went six
2: and two thirds. He gave up two hits, he gave up one run. And that yep. was after Cam Brown got pulled after just getting one out. So yep. he definitely, you know, he saved the series, right? He's like, we didn't win the series, but we could have gotten swept.
0: He's our Saturday savior with that uh as well as his starts against those three tough teams and that uh long appearance out of the bullpen against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also went against uh, Baylor in that game that we won in extra innings. He, uh, yep. you know, kept us in that game. Yeah, for that was uh, almost like four I'm, innings.
2: I want to say that was Brett Walker's uh, roughest outing of the year. Um, he, uh, Marcela Perez came in in that one after Brett Walker. He kept TCU in the game until the offense could come back and uh, salvage the win there, eleven to nine. He went three and a third, only gave up two runs. So he's, it's,
0: it's interesting that those two games out of the bullpen were also on Saturdays, and now he's a Saturday starter.
2: Right, which I think, I think played into the part of, you know, when you're talking about sliding him into the rotation, yeah. it just seemed like that was his natural fit.
0: TCU has only lost one game that Marcelo has pitched in.
2: That's correct. He This season. Yeah, so, be <laughs> so he's uh, been in 11 games. We've won 10 of them.
0: The only game we lost was in Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. But, I mean, we kind of forget about. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> non conference, non conference. Yeah.
2: So he got the win against Texas Tech, which that was the most competitive game of the series. He pitched and that five was innings, his best game. It was his he, best game. He
0: he had a no hitter so going. So what
2: I really like about Marcelo, from what I've noticed, right? He has an electric fastball, but when you're playing against Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. They have guys up and down the lineup that eat fastballs for breakfast. So what does he do? He starts them off early in the count with breaking balls because he has that devastating slider. He throws a changeup and a little bit of a curveball, but primarily those first three pitches. So he gets ahead with the breaking ball, and then he'll finish him off with the fastball. Tech had no answer. Oklahoma State, they got to him a little bit late in that outing, but he kept them in the game long enough for TCU to, you know, they, they had, they jumped out to a six, nothing, six, nothing lead or three, three, nothing, six, one lead. And then he got them deep enough to where the bullpen could finish the job.
0: Yeah. On your point, one of the biggest things I've seen from Marcelo this year from his freshman season was he's a pitcher. Now he still has that 95 mile an hour fastball, but he works those uh, off-speed pitches in so well, whereas he was more of a thrower. Yeah, if you his go back to like freshman his, year.
2: Yeah, if you go back to those years, I mean, he was touching 100. Right. So you, and know, now, you know he has that in him. Yeah. But now, to your point, he's now a pitcher. So he he knows 95 is good enough. Yeah. When you're mixing in that slider, the changeup, and an, occasionally a curveball. Uh, yeah. And he can locate his pitches.
0: Yeah, even when he gets down in a count, he can still make those pitches where he can uh, get guys to get themselves out. He doesn't have to throw it over the plate, right. give them something to hit.
2: Yeah, he's deceptive enough. So when it's out of the zone, the hitters are gonna—he's gonna get swings and misses.
1: Yeah. So Jacob, uh, <clears throat> on Saturday after Marcelo's uh, incredible start, who did you talk to? Yeah, and... I was—I
2: was I was going to go there. So um, Marcelo—he's this is what his fifth year with the program, is that right?
0: I think it's his fourth year. Fourth year. He is a COVID junior.
2: Okay. So he, you know, I like Ray said, I, I talked to Marcelo's dad after the game. And or after not after the game, but after Marcelo came out of the game, yeah. And he was just telling me stories about Marcello. and he's like, "Yeah, in the off season, he had a conversation with Kirk, and Kirk asked him, you know, why do you, why do you want to come back? You know, what what are you looking for?" Like he said, "Coach, I I, I want to be on this team. I want to be here with the boys, and whatever role you give me, I'm gonna do it. Like it doesn't matter. I, I don't I don't need to be a starter. I don't. It doesn't. You you tell me what I need to do, and I'm gonna do it. And I thought that was." Really cool to hear because those are the kind of guys you want on the team, right? Because as talented as Marcelo is, it'd be pretty easy for him to say, hey, I'm a starter on this team. Make me a starter.
0: Yeah, he's a huge team player. Uh, I read uh, an article, uh, the Laredo Times or whatever, had an interview with Marcelo a few years ago. Laredo Sun Times. we got a reader in the house, Uh, (laughs) a subscriber. Um,
1: Reads a (laughs) reader. It's only 99 cents a year.
0: So uh, yeah, they they interviewed Marcelo because um, he also pitched for Mexico in the uh, Little League World Series. Did they win it all? You know they didn't. It's probably so, Chinese so Taipei what, or something. All right. So
2: where you're about to go with this is Marcelo doesn't have that championship caliber mentality.
0: What I'm saying is uh, he's a <laughs> he's, he's not going to go there, very kidding. good. He's he's a great you know team first guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, they asked him you know what what were his goals in baseball and it wasn't like. You know, oh man, I want to get drafted in the first round or whatever. He he said he wants to pitch in the he already pitched in the Little League World Series. His goal was to be, I guess, the first player to pitch in the Little League World Series, a College World Series, and a Major League World Series.
2: That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, um, like Marcelo, he's he's a great kid. Always, well, I guess, talk. play
0: because he didn't pitch right in the Little League World Series. Yeah.
2: Um, He's a great kid. Always love to talk to yeah. him. Uh, his family's super nice. They come to every game, all the way up from Laredo. Um, so it's really awesome to have him on the team this year. And even even more awesome that he's literally saving our season. And in the next segment, we'll get to where TCU is in the standings and the outlook going forward. But we absolutely would not be here if it wasn't for Marcelo Perez. So
0: Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago we had uh, D1 Baseball came out with a, um, I guess like a – article about right-handed pitchers who have elevated their draft stock this season. Yep. And one of the key guys that they wrote about was uh, Riley Cornelio. Mm-hmm. But if they redid that piece this week, I'm sure Marcelo would be in there yep. as well.
2: And, so- and not to take anything away from Riley, who's been amazing too. But, you know, and I want to get to Austin Crowe before we go to break. But with him out and Marcelo stepping into that role, how many teams across the country can lose li- their literal ace of the staff and plug somebody in from the bullpen and actually, I, I don't know if the team is better, or, but they've at least been good enough without Austin Krobe to, to be, be sitting, first place to in the To be first 12. place yeah. after going through the gauntlet. Haven't mis- yeah.
0: There's probably like three teams in, the, yeah. in so, the entire country. So,
1: yeah. I think we should um, also mention I don't know how many people know, but Marcelo was actually drafted. Last year, and decided to come back.
2: What round, do you know? Nineteenth, nineteenth round. Was it by the Angels? By so the Angels. that probably spurred the conversation with Kirk about why do you want to come back instead of signing and going pro? Yeah. So okay. So before we go to break, we got to talk about Austin Krobe coming back from his shoulder injury. He comes in, he's lights out. Um, I think he was the difference in the series. You know when. Like we talked about in the last segment, Oklahoma State's bringing in position players to pitch, and they give up the lead. But I mean, Austin that holds he's
0: it. a that guy that came in to pitch. Nolan, I know they're McLeod legit or whatever. Pitchers. I'm not yeah. saying they like they he's just a two way guy. Two-way yeah, guy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I get
2: it, but it's not Austin Crowe. right? And I think that was the difference in the series. And to have him back going down the stretch and into the postseason is so huge for this team. You can't overstate it. But let's talk about where do we see him like fitting into the role now. Because I watched the uh, inter, like I said, the interview with him, and he he's a very team first guy too. He talked about that a lot, and I wouldn't go as far to say that he felt like he was letting the team down when he got injured, but he was definitely wishing he could be out there to contribute. Yeah. So he had nothing but glowing things to say about Riley and Marcelo and the guys out of the bullpen that filled in and you know took those innings while he was out and. By the time he comes in, they're pitching for first place in the conference right. or playing for first place in the conference. So right. he was so thrilled with those guys that he's like, I don't care what I do the rest of the season. A lot like Marcelo put bullpen start. I don't care. I just want to be here and support these guys. So what do we think Austin Crowe will do for the rest of the year?
0: I, I don't I don't see a reason why they would hurry him back into, mm. you know, a starter role. Um, That doesn't mean he's not going to have an impact the rest of the way.
2: No, I mean, he's got to be a key guy. I right. Think.
0: So we are set up so nicely being, you know, in first place. We got the tiebreaker with Oklahoma State. Um, We have a easier path mm-hmm. the rest of the way than they do. Yep. And we'll so, get into that
2: next segment, too.
0: So. I think we set up nicely with our our weekend guys. With us, you know, those guys got us in the first place, so there's I don't see a reason why we would change that right now. But with Krobe, it's just such a luxury to have another long man out of the pen to go along with uh, um, Luke Savage and uh, Caleb Bolden.
2: Yeah, and while the rest of the guys have pitched really well, you also don't want to underutilize Austin Krobe. I mean, he was the ace of the staff, or still is. What's up, Ray?
1: I was going to say... Just think of a postseason rotation where you're going to need at least four guys where you're rolling out Riley, Crobe, yeah. Marcelo, and then you have Brett Walker. Yeah, it is a,
2: that is a good point because if you get into a regional, I mean, I think at this point it's safe to say TCU is going to host a regional, right? At the very but, least. And well, if everything goes well, you need three starters to get you home. But, you know, you see it all the time that the host can drop a game. So while we're playing in the loser's bracket and we're against, you know, whatever team and they're throwing out whatever guy, we can roll out Austin freaking Krobe.
0: Yeah, we're set up pretty well for the postseason with the Big 12 tournament as well as a regional. Yeah. Or if uh, Austin
2: Krobe jumps up in the rotation, then you have Brett Walker to come in in that elimination game. And what a luxury that is, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we have like six or seven legit guys who can start yep. games. And and I don't think there's a lot of teams in the country that no, can with, uh, say Kate the same. No, with Caden Parker
2: coming along. Yeah cademan
0: i mean if we really need to luke savage sure
2: um so we're about out of time in this segment um we can save garrett Wright and river ridings talk for next week that's fine because i think it'll still be relevant subject uh yeah let's go to break we'll come back we'll talk about where tcu is in the standings the outlook going forward we'll answer some twitter questions and talk about florida state when we come back to post game beers
0: Post-game. Welcome back to Post Game Beers. Jacob is in the bathroom.
1: <laughs>
0: He's been in there for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And we, we can't had to start no without him.
1: <laughs> I think he may have drowned.
0: I told him to quit sitting down to pee.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Good, good, good. Okay. Welcome back to Post Game Beers. We're the Left and Drinking Club. We're going to wrap things up tonight. It's our final segment. Uh, we should mention... Our other sponsor, besides Long Drink, is Sarlos & Sons, which is a winery out in California. Keith Sarlos, who is Kurt's brother, runs that winery. He's a great friend of the podcast. Uh, He helped us out early on with some equipment. And um, what other cool things that MK usually says about Sarlos & Sons... Those things still apply this week. So shout out to Keith. Shout out to Sarlos and Sons. Ray, let's go to Twitter questions. What do you got for us?
1: Okay. Our first question comes from a good friend of the pod, Caden.
2: Read his app. At At Rut Frog. Okay. Ask. Which Caden, by the way, is the regional um, sponsor for Long Drink who supplies us.
1: He asked, how good of a coaching job did Kurt do this weekend? Pitching yeah. moves and lineup changes seem to be perfect the last two games of the yeah, series. Yeah, so we talked
2: a little bit about the pitching moves, and um, I don't want to get too deep into the Garrett Wright River Ridings thing right now, but with the lineup changes, we saw those against Texas Tech because I think Kirk said, you know, we're going into, we, we just lost a series at Texas. We got Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Those boys can score some runs. So I got to do something to get some more offense in the lineup. You see the insertion of Reed Spinrath, who's really come along, Sam Thompson. Um, We even saw Hunter Toplansky, who was a big spark plug in the tech series. Martin, what do you think about the lineup changes?
0: I think I just came up with a meme. Okay. Have you guys seen those Avengers movies with the time traveler guy? I will say yes for the sake of the pod. What's the time traveler guy's name?
2: Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. Make something up.
0: I uh, I was thinking of different time shifty guy. Anyways, uh he kind of looks like Kirk. We need to put his face on that guy because <laughs> so so in one of the Avengers movies, uh what's this uh was it called? Spoilers spoiler alert, spoiler game Yeah, spoiler? yeah, yeah. So you know how he like sits there and like does all the millions of simulations of uh what happens and how they can beat Thanos or whatever?
1: Is it Doctor Strange? Yeah, 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 Doctor
0: Strange, Doctor Strange. So so he does he does like a gajillion uh simulations and uh Uh he figures out how to beat them or whatever. It's like that's what Kirk did for this series. It's like he knew exactly what he had to do to win this series and he did it.
2: Yep, and we talked about how he didn't burn the bullpen on Friday, which really in episodes. This is the most excited Martin's. Ever been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, comic book talk. Hey, adventures yeah.
0: movies are good. So, so the Friday game was uh, him telling or him giving Thanos the, the, the mind stone or whatever.
2: I'm really trying to support you here, bro. But I'm just going to say Kirk's done a great it's job. It's a bit. We'll get into more <laughs> next week after we play Florida State and we need some content. Thanks for the question, Caden. What, Ray, what else?
1: Okay. Next one is uh, scrolling through it says um, most projections don't have TCU hosting a regional, which we we kind of think they're well, almost most guaranteed. of them most
0: of them now do
2: yeah, yeah skip yeah it.
1: thanks for the question, but uh sorry, I meant to read the one above it okay. is there a good chance to win the regular season conference, or do we uh, need to get through the conference tournament to get that national seed, and that comes from Nelson Reynolds at Nelson. All
2: right. Reynolds. Thank you, Nelson. Let's get into that a little bit. So I kind of broke down uh, where TCU stands, what I expect them to finish as, and what the other three challengers in the conference need to do to catch us. So with TCU having Oklahoma at home and Kansas on the road, it's pretty reasonable to suggest they will finish five and one that gets us to 17 wins, which earlier in the season we talked about on this podcast that's kind of the benchmark to win the conference. So 5 and 1 gets you there. TCU sits at 12 wins right now. If they don't go 5 and 1, say they go 4 and 2, then they still have a pretty good chance of winning the conference. At 3 and 3, they probably don't deserve to win the conference. So my benchmark here is 5 and 1. That puts them at 17 and 6. Oklahoma State would have to finish 8 and 1 to get the outright conference championship. And why is that important? Because if we go back to last year, 5 and 1 Five and one, they have to go eight and one because right now we're still one back in the loss column. So they go eight and one, we go five and one. They win the conference outright. Why is that important? Because we won the head-to-head on the road against Oklahoma State. If you go back to last year, TCU ended up tied with Texas at top of the conference, but Texas had the road series win in Fort Worth, which catapulted them to the top of the rankings. I think they were the three seed, while TC was what, the eight seed? Do we have tiebreakers?
0: Or do we have. There's co-champs. no
2: tiebreakers. It's just the way the, the committee looks at it.
0: So we still have like co champs? Yeah, yeah, we were co champs okay. yeah, like last we, we
2: hung we a half with banner the, uh, last year. Okay. Texas. But Texas. Okay, so Texas was two. We were the six. But that was a huge difference because Texas skated into Omaha where we had to play Oregon State and DVU. So seven and two is a tie. And like I said, Uh, TCU still has the head-to-head win. Oklahoma State has to go to Austin to play three at Texas. They're at home against Texas Tech, and then they finish on the road at Baylor. I'm pretty confident in saying Oklahoma State will lose two of those games out of that nine. Now, let's move on to Texas. What do they have to do? To get a tie with us, they have to go eight and one. They have Oklahoma State at home. They're at West Virginia, who is a super scrappy team, as we found out. And then they finish with Kansas. Pretty reasonable, reasonable to say they will not go 8 and 1 in that stretch. Finally, you have Texas Tech. They have to go 9 and 1 to overcome us. And why is that important? Because like I just said, we have the head-to-head with Texas Tech. So they have to overcome us to get that, you know, glowing praise from the committee. They are at Baylor, at Oklahoma State, And they finish at home against OU. I see two losses there. So I believe TCU pretty much controls their own destiny. Go five and one, hit that 17-win benchmark, win the conference. And for everybody who's freaking out about rankings, and we'll, we'll skip the Baseball America rant tonight. Like we, Yeah, so last night we ranted about Baseball America, but we'll skip that tonight. We'll just say, don't worry about where TCU is ranked right now. Win the conference you're going to be a top eight seed, probably a high top eight seed, and you'll be set up well for the postseason.
0: Was was the question about winning
1: the conference or?
2: That's what I yeah, heard. The,
1: uh, yeah, the path to winning the conference. Yeah, I, path I, to win. Or I mean, how do we get a national seed? Do we need well, to win Oh, the without winning the conference? No. So, With winning the conference, or do we need to win the conference and win the Big 12 tournament?
2: Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, um, I still wanted to talk about the path. We don't have to win the Big 12 tournament if you win the regular season. Yeah.
0: I, I, I mean I felt pretty good about us winning the conference <clears throat> before our really tough stretch
2: even with Crowbout.
0: I mean, yeah. Okay. I felt I felt pretty good. I okay. thought we'd win this series. I thought we even matched up well. Even after losing to West Virginia. Yeah, even after losing to Tech. Okay, cuz
2: we we outlined what they had to do. Yeah. And after sweeping Tech, I thought we I thought we really matched ashamed. up
0: well against Tech and Oklahoma State. I didn't think we'd sweep Tech. That was Amazing.
2: That made up for the West, the, the West, yeah. like you, we can just erase the West Virginia yeah. series out of our heads completely. Yeah.
0: The, the only way I, ah, man, I kind of want to say we are were, we're kind of a lock to win the big 12 regular season. I, no co-champs. We,
2: we have to fall on our face.
0: The only way we don't is if we have like a na- a nightmarish road trip to Kansas. Like we did Kansas mm-hmm. state last year. That's, or that's it's the like only if, way. if
2: we get West Virginia to buy OU at home.
1: Does yeah. Kansas still have that left-hander that they threw last year on know. Sunday?
2: It, dude, they only have two wins in the conference right now. I don't <laughs> care. Go sweep that series. So let's move on. Uh, do we have any more interesting Twitter uh, questions? The last
1: uh, few qu- or several people asked, which y'all just addressed, about uh, why is TCU still ranked where they are yep. and about rankings. Okay, I jumped but,
2: ahead. <laughs> thanks to everybody that wrote in the Twitter questions. Let's finish this off. Let's talk about Florida State.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As I said, we'll get into the closer thing next week. Um, we just ran out of time tonight. We talked about it in depth last night, but whatever. We'll talk about it next week.
1: Not so, afforded that kind of luxury. All tonight. right.
2: I think we're all getting tired. So let's talk about Florida State, wrap up and go home. Um, do we have any interesting notes on Florida State as a team? Because I kind of want to talk about what TCU strategy is going into this series.
0: Um, one of their traditions is to uh, recite the Canadian national anthem during the game.
2: That's weird. why
0: uh, it's no birds. It's like a 30. <laughs> it's like a 30 year old tradition that they do. So I read about it um, like in the eighth inning. The Olympics were going on, I think, in the United States. OK. And uh, Florida State was losing or something. I don't know, sixth or seventh or eighth inning. And so they have like this. Um, this section of fans that they call like the animals or something like that. And their so, version
1: of the LDC.
0: Yeah, but I guess a lot more, uh, Canadian
2: conscripts, nah, not with a lot fewer podcasts.
0: Yeah. A lot fewer podcasts. So anyways, um, I think it was like the seventh inning. And so anyways, they were losing and they started, uh, humming the Canadian national anthem because of the Olympics or whatever. And so I guess they won that game and they've been doing it like every game since.
2: And how many natties have they won after, uh, Starting that tradition. So they
0: have the most wins out of any program in the country without a Natty. Damn.
2: <laughs> and we're kind of falling on that trajectory. You know? I, I think Hope we're
0: that. like 12th on that list. Okay. But so we got plenty yeah. of
2: room before we need to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, the old days of college baseball. We should do that in the, in the offseason. season is Do a segment on like old time college baseball. Oh, yeah, the it, like uh, Colorado State. Yeah, like, no. got,
0: Colorado State doesn't have a team since like the 80s or something, but they
2: got like the fifth most natties. No. What some. about I
1: mean, uh, weird... Northern Colorado? Northern
2: Colorado, Northern yeah, Colorado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what been about
1: to Omaha uh... like eight times? Is it wasn't Maine? Yes, <laughs> the Maine Black Bears. <laughs> All right, we'll save that
2: for the offseason. So, Florida State. <laughs> so, what I think is most interesting about this series is we're coming up on our stretch run, like we just talked about. We want to win the conference. How does TCU treat this series? Because Florida State's a good RPI school. I know MK broke down, you know, kind of what they've done this season. Let's just say they're a good team. Summarize it. They're they're on the fringe oh, of the top Florida 25. State, yeah. yeah, Florida State. They're on the fringe of the top 25. They have a good RPI. So this it's a good resume builder for the Frogs. But in my personal opinion, I kind of see this as a win-neutral situation where if you go win the series, it looks great on your resume. If yeah. you lose it, then it's, well, it's non-conference, it was on the road, against a good team. I don't think it hurts us that much. So what does Kirk do? Does he go in think? does he go, you know, uh, guns blazing, we got to win this thing? Or does he say, coming up on the stretch, I want to work some borderline guys, like some guys I might be considering for the postseason bullpen rotation or maybe looking at a guy in uh, whatever left field or DH. And does he experiment a little bit and give guys a chance to play? What do you think?
0: Well, with... Florida State, their Friday and Saturday guys are both left handed and they're pretty good. I think that's why um Florida State got a lot of love over the uh offseason. I think they were like top ten preseason. They were
2: yeah, and they started hot too. And
0: and a lot of it was because of how much pitching they brought back. So I mean those guys are, are good pitchers. Yep. But um with them being left handed, I think he's gonna tinker with the lineup a bit and see what guys you know, those righties off the bench like Mason Speaker or uh, Garrison Berkeley. Yeah. He's probably going to see which guys, you know.
2: Can be a right, uh, a right. Or yeah, left, yeah, yeah. A he, right-handed bat. He's
0: going to see who is going to be that guy <laughs> yep. to bring off the bench, you know, for a postseason run or whatever. Sure.
2: Or maybe pinch hit when they bring in a lefty. You know, if you have like, what, Spinrath up there and you bring yeah, in a tough lefty, bring in somebody else like it's, uh, a Berkeley. Good, or,
0: it's a good series for uh, Krobe to. You know, get some more innings.
2: Yeah, so uh, going back. So some really good uh, content out there. If you go to YouTube and look at Frogs today, watch Jamie Plunkett's interviews after the game. And this is something we should do before the podcast too, if we can, because he gets some really good information out of these guys. And I'm trying to remember what Kirk said about Crow, but I think it's like this month he wants to throw him like 30 pitches. And then maybe extend them to like forty five next month, which I thought was a little interesting. So Isn't we'll it s- gonna be
0: next month, like by Saturday? Yeah,
2: I mean, <laughs> so like maybe <laughs> it will the, be. So like maybe this series, yeah, it's gonna be right, May. Then, but that's just the words he used. Yeah. So go watch those. I mean, there's some good stuff out there. But uh, the the point is, they're gonna be kind of slow bringing them <laughs> back. So for anybody that says, you know, plug them into the starter role,
0: I we just I just don't see a need right. to do it.
2: No, for sure. And okay, so back to Florida State. Um, yeah, it'll be a it'll be an interesting series. I mean, they're 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 blue blood, right? I think one of the Twitter questions we had, and I'm sorry that um, I think I
0: asked that last night. Oh, it was the, when it, it
2: was you. Yeah. Is Okay, so is Florida State a blue blood? Well, I say yes, and I think they're kind of in the same category as TCU, like a team that if you're a college baseball fan around the country, you're gonna recognize because yeah. they're always they're always in the postseason been in Omaha a lot, but haven't won a natty. Yeah. So Mike Martin, who's the coach there for, you know, centuries, it felt yeah. like really built that program up kind of sucks. He didn't win a natty, but TC was also a big reason why <laughs> <laughs> after the, after the Curry slam.
0: Yeah. He's like the Bill Snyder. <laughs>
1: yeah. For Yeah, he is.
2: For the state so, baseball.
1: I will say this weekend means a little bit more now, especially after tonight's result, uh, for RPI purposes yeah, no, for only. Yeah, sure. I know for sure.
2: The point of the matter is, if you're the Big 12 regular season champ, you're getting a top eight seed. Now, do you, do you yeah. want to be the eight seed or the, the four seed,
1: right? Do you think that's guaranteed? Yes. Yes.
0: Well, with I just think it's just a real fun baseball trip like, yeah. for the team, like to well, go yeah, to Florida of course. State, Tallahassee. Look,
2: the Big 12 is the third best RPI team or RPI conference in the country. You're not putting three SEC teams in there over the Big 12 champ. You're just not. So sorry, Aggie, cool run, but you're not getting in over TCU. You're just that's. I, I'm gonna do this before next week. I want to go back and look the last time the Big 12 regular season champ was okay. So Reed's looking probably it up Kansas on the fly.
0: State like 2013. That was
2: the one anomaly, right, yeah. where they probably won the conference with like 13 wins. Fort okay. So if you get to 17 Big 12 wins, you're not getting left out of the top eight.
0: I'm not. not. I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is, I think we're going into this. I think we're going to win this series. Might sweep them because they can't hit. They have all the pressure on them. They do. They're fighting for their postseason lives. Right. We are in first place in our conference. We're going over there.
2: And and to play devil's advocate, you don't think that gives them a little more kind of um, energy going into the series for us? No, for them. For them. No nah, man,
0: they play hard teams every week. It seems That's true,
2: and, <laughs> and they, they, they mean, lose. And this is a this is That's a why they're not ranked right now. If you have your Bovada account or DraftKings or whatever, you might take the under because they don't their their weaknesses. They're hitting. Yep,
1: and their strength is their pitching. There's going to be some uh, good pitching performances this weekend.
2: Okay, so Reed just dropped us a note. In the last thirty years. Since the Big 12 became a conference, 1996, there's been two years that the Big 12 regular season champ. There's been one year <laughs> the Big 12 regular season the champ. The
0: one time Kansas State has won the conference.
2: Well, was it Baylor or Kansas State? 13. Okay, yeah. so yes. And they Don't won, they won question
1: the sultan of stat, they Martin Guerrero. They are not.
2: Guerrero. TCU is not getting left out of the top eight if they handle business and win the conference. They're just simply not. Now, to raise point, do you want to be, you know, kind of the seven and eight spot or do you want to be in the three or four spot? Well, that's where these games against DBU, Florida State, Louisville, Kentucky come to matter. So
1: you already lost one of those. Well, we've you lost, lost like, kind of them. all of them. Yeah. We've lost all of them. Yeah, we lost to Louisville and now, DBU twice. I was just thinking of tonight.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, we lost two games to DBU. We lost the series to Kentucky. Lost game to Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. So, yeah, and, but I think there's some recency bias with the committee, too. So if you go down there, win two out of three on the road, that's going to be what sticks out with the committee.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's a good break for us too. Like, we've been just grinding this Big 12 schedule. Are you we, talking we, about
2: the team or the LDC? The team. Because I'm so looking forward to going to the pool. <laughs> yeah, this I weekend. guess us as well. <laughs> we're, we're part of the
0: team. But uh,
1: I kind of uh, wish I was going to Tallahassee. <laughs> I cannot I wish wait to I finish this to podcast well. and go on
2: vacation for a little yeah. while. <laughs> uh, All know, right, so let's uh, wrap it up. Give us some final thoughts. Ray, any final thoughts? Don't force anything, just say no. Martin, no. do you have any final thoughts?
0: We win the series. Probably smash them.
2: On okay, yes. Yeah, I'm just kidding, just, Ray. What do you got? We're, we're obviously gonna win go the out. Saturday
1: game. Yeah, we're obviously gonna win Saturday. <laughs> That's almost a given yeah. at this point. And yeah. if Riley can get back on track, you know, he'll be take fine. two or three Riley you know, will be fine. Right now, I'm just looking to bump up that RPI number as much as you can heading into the final stretch of the Big Twelve. Yep. Um.
2: My final thought is Ray sent our group text a one minute uh, clip of the 11.7 podcast. And if you're not familiar with the 11.7 podcast, it is a national podcast. It's the biggest college baseball podcast in the country. They cover all the teams in the country. It's ran by Ben Upton and his boys who are former college baseball players. Really entertaining podcast. Um, But Ray listened to it right when it released and recorded a one-minute clip of the 11.7 staff going over their picks from the previous week who all of them except one picked Oklahoma State to win the series. And after the Sunday game, we got on there and we were you know, chirping Ben Upton a little bit because he said it was an easy series to pick. Yeah, he is our boy. Great dude. But he gave us, and by us, I mean the Lepton Drinking Club, a shout-out saying, you know, just talking about where we are now with Roxo in the studio. And so that was really cool of them. They also said they have a lot to learn about TCU because they <laughs> pick against us every week. So go check out 11.7, great dudes. Um that was a cool shout out, Ray. What a what a
1: I thought it was cool today Dimitri put out his regional projections and he gave each regional a fun little name. Yeah, the title he, of the regional uh, he named the Fort Worth region, the Lupton drinking that's club right. so, regional.
2: Yeah, but that's, yeah. So when the postseason starts and TCU's hosting, just know that's the Lupton drinking club regional
1: title sponsor, the Fort Worth regional. So we'll leave
2: you that. Thank you to Sarlos and sons. Thank you to long drink RIP MK boys. Thanks for hanging in there and doing this thing again. We grinded it out. Let's go get some rest. So long from the Flying T Studios and the Roxo Media House. This is Post Game Beers. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. We will see y'all when we see y'all.
1: Go Frogs. Go Frogs.